Thank you for downloading this sermon from Christ the Word Church. If you would like more information on how Christ the Word is reaching, raising, and teaching generations in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan, please visit us online at ChristTheWord.com. I just wanted to personally thank you all as a church family uh, for caring and praying for my family and I as I've been gone. I've been making trips back and forth to Washington, D.C. this summer, and I know many of you have been praying uh, and many of you have cared in other ways for my family and for me. So thank you for that. I love you for it, and I praise God for it. So it's a joy and a blessing to be in front of you this evening. It's our last Sunday evening service of of, of the summer. And uh, we're looking at the Lord's Prayer, specifically our last petition, the sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer. And so we started the summer with uh, Jordan uh, Arndt preaching and uh, going through the first petition regarding who we pray to, uh, our Father who is in heaven, and how we speak to him, uh, hallowed be his name. Then Jake Long encouraged us to build the Lord's kingdom uh, and not our own through the second petition, your kingdom come. And in the third petition, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, Nathan McClavick exhorted us to know God's will and to apply it to our actions. The fourth petition, give us this day our daily bread, Jordan Art preached again and challenged us to be thankful for what God had given us and to trust him with these things and to give them away. Then two weeks ago, Silas Cruz encouraged us to fight bitterness in our hearts and to forgive others as they sin against us, as we look to the Lord who forgives our sins. Now tonight we come to our sixth petition of prayer, which states, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, we can't deny that the life of a Christian is a life of battle. It's a life of conflict. We're called to be spiritual soldiers for the Lord. In Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul speaks about the equipment that God gives to us as the Christian soldier. We battle armies of darkness and evil, but it's not just external conflict, it's more often internal conflict. We battle our own hearts, our own minds, our own actions, and we must fight daily against our flesh and our sinful desires, which are still contained in us. See, before we were given faith in God... We were friends of the evil one, of Satan, and we could only sin. We couldn't do anything else. We couldn't do anything that was good or holy. There was nothing in us that was good or holy. But after God granted us faith, he changed our hearts, and as John 3 says, we're born again, we're made new through faith in Jesus Christ. And only then can we pursue righteousness and turn away from our sin. So in our original state, with our original sin that had been passed down from our first father, Adam. In that state, we were enemies of God and friends of Satan, the evil one. But when we're changed by, love's God, by, love, by God's love and grace, we're now friends of God and enemies of Satan. And our hearts are changed, and God grants us the ability and the strength through the Holy Spirit to pursue holiness. And yet, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 7, there's still this conflict There's this perpetual battle of our hearts and our actions that we struggle with daily. We do things which we know we should not do, and we do not do the things which we know we should do. And so we struggle and fight. And one of these things that we fight is the temptations of sin 
temptation to sin, which comes from our own hearts. And so this petition that we're looking at tonight is a prayer, a petition to God for help in this battle. It's a petition of both power and protection. So my family and I this summer have been memorizing James chapter 1. And one of our young ladies, Jess, uh, spent some time this summer over in Ireland working. And my family, my wife, and my children were sending videos back and forth with Jess as they memorized James 1. They were much, my wife and my children were much more diligent than I was to memorize it. Uh, but they were sending videos back and forth. It's kind of a fun thing to, to stay in contact. And uh, as I was uh, looking and memorizing this passage, I thought it was very helpful as we look uh, for uh, this, toward this sixth petition. So please stand for our word tonight from James 1, 1 through 15. James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes who are dispersed abroad, greetings. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. But if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given to him. But he must ask in faith without any doubting, for the one who doubts is like the surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For that man ought not to expect that he will receive anything from the Lord, being a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. But the brother of humble circumstances is to glory in his high position, and the rich man is to glory in his humiliation, because like flowering grass, he will pass away. For the sun rises with a scorching wind and withers the grass, and its flower falls off, and the beauty of its appearance is destroyed. So too the rich man in the midst of his pursuits will fade away. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, for once he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. This is the word of the Lord. Be Please be seated. Let's pray. Father God... It is a blessing and an honor to come before you in prayer. Lord, thank you for the opportunity you give us each day. Thank you for the opportunity tonight and this past summer to pray for one another, to be close to one another physically and spiritually. Lord, you bless us with the ability to come to you at any time with anything through your son, Jesus Christ. May we not take this for granted. Lord, bless our time tonight. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. So our passage here refers to both trials and temptations. One is for our good and builds our faith, and the other leads down a path of sin and death. As we read, as we read our passage, many of you might have been sitting there like I was thinking, well, if God does not tempt anyone, why do we need this sixth petition of the Lord's Prayer? Why do we need to ask him to not lead us into temptation if we already know that he doesn't do this? 
Well, we pray this to the Lord because of our hearts. See, God's word is true and he doesn't lead us into temptation, but we need to ask for his help because we will do this on our own. It's the evils and desires that we still battle in our own hearts that lead us into temptation. Now, the Greek word that's used here is parasmos, and it has two different definitions. The first definition is, is a trial to go through, and the second definition is an enticement or temptation to evil. And our passage speaks to both of those definitions, and so context is important in knowing which one it's talking about. The first few verses, trials, is what it's talking about because these are given by God and are for our good. They produce something good. They produce endurance for our faith. They build us up to continue living the life as a soldier for the Lord. These are the hard things which God gives us to persevere, to endure, and they're for our good and for our blessing. Now, the second definition of parasmos is listed toward the end of our passage. These temptations do not originate from God. They originate from our own hearts and our own lusts. And these are the temptations that we must pray to God for strength to avoid, to flee from. This is why we must pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We pray for God's help in giving us the strength to turn away from those temptations and to turn to him. See, it's a petition of power and protection. We're asking for God's power to change our hearts and to lead us away from temptation. And only he can do this because our desires are still, at times, to pursue that sin and that temptation. And while he's justified us, he's declared us righteous once and for all through Jesus Christ, we still have to deal with the reality of sin each day. So the power of God in our lives is the only thing which allows us to turn to him and to flee temptation. It's also a prayer of protection for us. See, by leading us away from temptation, we're protected both temporally and eternally. When God protects us from temptation, from sin, and the evil one, we're protected from the real consequences of sin now and also the eternal death which will come later. This is real and ultimate protection from God. And so this sixth petition is one that we focus on those two things, our power, his, God's power and his protection for us. Now, as many of you know me, I've been going back and forth to D.C., as I mentioned, and last week I was able to go to church with an old friend of mine in Virginia, a man named Ty. I have a picture of Ty up on the screen. He'll show that for me. Thank you. Okay. So Ty and I met as classmates uh, in agent training 14 years ago. And uh, we had weekends off of training down in Georgia. And so the first Friday afternoon that we were all together as a training class, I I let everybody know that I was going to be going to church on Sunday and would welcome anybody that would want to go with me. And so Ty came up later and said, hey, I'd like to go to church with you, but I'm a Baptist. Are you okay going to a Baptist church? And I smiled at him and said, well, that's great. I'm a Baptist too. I'm just going to baptize my children when they are born. Are you okay with that? And he kind of looked at me like I had three heads and didn't, wasn't sure how to respond to that. I said, let's just find a good church and we'll go to church together. <clears throat> so for the next 12 weeks, every Sunday, Ty and I went to church together. And we became very close and got to know each other's history about not only personal things, our spiritual history, different things. And so I asked him, I said, Ty, when did you really become to know the Lord? 
and he said, on my drive to Baghdad. See, Ty was, before becoming a federal agent, he was an artillery officer with the United States Marine Corps. And in 2003, now you seniors weren't even born yet at that point, but in 2003, our country and others were going to invade Iraq to depose this horrible dictator, Saddam Hussein. It was a kind of a big deal back then. And uh, so Ty as, and his unit, his artillery unit, was sent to Kuwait to prepare for this invasion of Iraq. And uh, a week before they're set to do this, my friend Ty gets a battlefield promotion to become commander of that unit. And if you're in the military, that's a big deal, especially when you're deployed to, be, to get promoted over there. And so a week later, sure enough, as he's taken over command of these six artillery pieces, which that picture is one of them, six of those and 100 Marines to run those guns, he, uh, he takes over and they invade Baghdad. And so his artillery unit was right behind the front lines, and they would shoot rounds, large 100-pound rounds, in front of, those, of that front-line troops as they were going into Iraq. And so this is a picture of my friend in, in his truck and one of the guns that he commanded. And so the artillery is, is usually the most powerful unit in a field army. And my friend's job was to provide powerful force and protection for those Marines that they were right behind. So see, those guns, are each of those shells that those guys are carrying are 100 pounds, and they can fire 15 miles from where they're at. And these men, these Marines had trained so much that they knew how to operate those guns in the dark by feel if they had to. They could set them up, they could move them, they could fire them and go on. And so not only was it to project, project power, but their unit was also to protect those Marines. Because if any attack came on them, my friend's unit would be the first one to provide direct fire and support for those other Marines. And like my friend's military unit, this sixth petition of ours tonight, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's an artillery strike of this prayer. It provides power and protection for our souls against temptation and sin, which leads to death. So what are some of the temptations that we should pray to be led away from and to be on guard against? Well, 1 John 2.16 gives us a good umbrella of things that most temptations fall under. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. 1 John 2.16 tells us that these things are of the world and not from the Father. I think we're all aware of the lust of the flesh, especially in our American culture. It's, it's all around us. Lust of the flesh leads us to the sin of, of adultery. Our temptation and desire for physical pleasure leads us to sin. The lust of the eyes leads to the sin of covetousness. Our temptation and desire is for more things, more money, more stuff than what God has given us. Our boastful pride of life leads to many other sins, usually lying, stealing, bearing false witness, doing other things. Our temptation and desire is for our own person to be built up and paraded around. It's for our selfishness. It's focused on glorifying ourselves and not glorifying God. And these temptations lead us to sin and death. Our passage is clear in that. I would add a fourth temptation to this list as well. And this is a temptation of long-term self-loathing, the woe is me, the negative attitude, the withdrawn personality, the I'm all alone type person. The temptation is to deceive ourselves that our situation is worse than it really is, that we're all alone, 
that no one else has struggled or dealt with this issue or something similar. See, all these temptations are lies which Satan tries to get us to believe and lead us down the road to sin. He wants to separate us from the love of God because that's when he has power. And so we need the Lord's help to be led away from those things, to fight these temptations of sex, money, power, and self-isolation. And prayer is one of the great weapons of warfare that God has given us. So why do we fall into temptation? Well, first and foremost, we don't pray. We don't ask God for help regarding our temptations. In our passage in James, we're told to ask God for wisdom. Are we doing this? I know at times I don't ask for wisdom in how to avoid temptation. And if if we aren't asking God for this wisdom, we should be. One of the promises of our passage is that if we ask, God will give this to us generously. But we need to ask for this wisdom first. A second reason of why we fall into temptation is that we're double-minded. We don't really want God's help with this certain sin or temptation. We still want to follow that. We might say we do, that we want God's help as lip service, but in our hearts, we still want to follow that temptation that leads to sin. And in our passage, this is the double man, the double-minded man that it's speaking about. The double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. And so we need to fight this and be single-minded. Focus on the Lord, not double-minded. How often do you get mentally distracted during each day of the week at your jobs? How often do these, does this distractions lead down to temptations? How about on Sunday, the day that's supposed to be set apart for God? In our minds and our thoughts, we get distracted during the worship service, during a truth and life class, during a special prayer service, while you're serving, while you're preaching. Satan loves it when we're double-minded because this distracts us from things of God. And our passage tells us of a third reason why we fall into temptation. It's because we doubt that God will answer our prayers. This doubt is part of being double-minded. We don't really believe that God will grant us wisdom and lead us away from temptation. And our passage says the one who doubts is like surf of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Our disbelief in God allows us to be tossed around and ends up leading us into temptation and sin. Fight this doubt. Trust that God will give what you ask in prayer. Trust that when you pray this petition, that he will not lead you into temptation, that he will deliver you from evil. So why do we need to pray? First, it keeps us humble and reliant on God as our Heavenly Father. When we pray, our hearts should be focused on God. This helps us to not be double-minded. And as we speak to God as our Heavenly Father, as we're focused on looking to Him, we see His love and His grace for us. And we remember what His Son, Jesus Christ, has done for us on the cross. And we look to Him for all our needs. Our humility before God helps us to not doubt and to ask Him for what we need. So first, pray to God and ask. Secondly, prayer is a visible way that we show our love for God and for others. It's one way that we can visibly show our reliance on God 
and one way that we can show visible love to others as well. What a joy it is to sit here and pray for one another, isn't it? How often do you pray for each other outside of Sundays? My wife and I try to pray for each of you together and as a group and individually. When you say to somebody, I'll pray for you for this or that, do you do it? We should. If we don't, if we don't we're bearing false witness. And when talking with people, I try to pray right then and there. It doesn't always happen, but I try to do this as much as possible. It's mainly because I want to be a man of my word, but it's also that I want to show love for that person. And it also helps me to remember to pray for that person later on as well. So prayer is a visible way that we show love for God and for, for one another. Third, prayer is a good and godly discipline, and we're blessed by it. Prayer should be a part of each of our days. If it isn't already, set aside 20 minutes. Start tonight. Well, we can all find 20 minutes in each day. Maybe it's the first thing in the morning. Maybe it's on your lunch break at work. Maybe it's at night after your children have gone to bed. Don't allow yourself to get mindlessly distracted to be double-minded by the newest Netflix series if you haven't spent time praying, or whatever else other distraction is a temptation to you. Set a time, devote this time to prayer, and talk with your Heavenly Father. So back to my friend Ty, the Marine Corps artillery officer. He really became a Christian on his way to Baghdad. He said he spoke to many Marines about faith as they were driving up to Baghdad, because physical death was a true reality. It was literally right in front of them each day. And so the question of eternity came up quite often. One thing that impacted my friend was actually the prayer discipline of the Muslim people that they interacted with. So my friend, my friend Ty told me that their local maps were not very detailed. Uh, in how they had to go. I know it kind of seems with GPS and smartphones seems kind of odd, but, but this is 2003, remember, so it's a long time ago. But so their, their local maps are not very detailed, and they would often hire local people to help them direct and go where they needed to go uh, for their next assigned spot. So one day, their guide was a local elder, uh, kind of a local governor over several, several villages. And this man was about 60 years old, and he had a son who was about 30 who came with him kind of as his bodyguard and, and to look after him. And as a sign of respect for this older man, my, my friend Ty had he and his son ride in his truck with him, which was a sign of honor and respect. And as they're driving, this huge rainstorm co- goes across and just pours on them for about an hour. And uh, over there, their drainage systems was, was not almost non-existent, wasn't very good. Uh, first, the topography was mainly sand and hard dirt, so the didn't drain very well. And then often some of these uh, villages would even have open sewers still. Uh, uh, and so this rain caused all this mud and muck and all this other junk to just be together. And it was about a foot and a half uh, that, uh, that they were driving through this, this nasty junk. And twice... Uh, in the next six hours, as they're driving through this foot and a half of crud, these two men stop to get out to pray. And they get there, they get down in that foot and a half of muck with their prayer rugs, and they pray. And my, now, Muslims pray to a false god. They think they earn their salvation through their works, and this is all against Scripture. 
But the discipline of prayer that these men had stuck out to my friend. He thought, these guys are in this filth praying to a false god, and I can pray to the true God of Scripture anytime, and yet I don't. From that point on, he started praying, and he started seeing God's goodness even in the awful things of war. And just like my friend, we can pray to our Heavenly Father anytime in relative comfort, and yet we don't. Now, setting a habit and creating a discipline is about starting well and continuing to do that thing and have that thing become part of your day. They say the average time it takes to set a habit is 21 days. So devote the next three weeks to pray each day. Most disciplines are easy to start, but over time they, they become less and less important. Other things seem to take their place. What's more important than speaking to our Heavenly Father? In my paid position in federal law enforcement, we have to stay at a certain physical fitness level. And you're tested every three months. And part of this PT test has four parts. There's push-ups, sit-ups, pull-ups, and a mile and a half. Now, which of those four things do you think I dislike most? Mile and a half, for sure. Pull-ups, second, all right? <clears throat> Both of those things. Now, some of you I know run a lot longer than I do. Mile and a half to me is long-distance running, okay? So I don't like long-distance running. I don't like pull-ups, all right? <clears throat> Both of those are just drudgery to me. But how do you get better at pull-ups and running? I can tell you what doesn't work from experience. What doesn't work is sitting on your couch thinking about trying to run harder and do more pull-ups while you eat a triple bacon cheeseburger and fries. That's just silliness. That doesn't work, okay? What you got to do is you got to go out to your garage, get out on your pull-up bar, and go pound the pavement, right? To get better, you got to do it. That's just how things work with discipline. Now, Soren Kierkegaard, the Danish philosopher, who once said, you can't teach someone to swim while sitting in a cabin and reading that person a book about swimming. You got to be out in the water. It's the same with any discipline. We got to go and do it. But it's not just what we do that's important. It's how we do it as well. The specific discipline of prayer should not be drudgery for us. It should be done with joy and excitement. It's an honor to pray to our Heavenly Father, and we're blessed by it. So speaking of swimming, this summer my five-year-old son Ezekiel learned how to swim. And at the beginning of the summer, he was still wearing one of those puddle jumper floaty things, you know, that goes around your shoulders and across your chest and snaps in the back. And he was kind of on the shore and just kind of watching his brothers and sisters. He'd go in a little bit and... Uh, but he wasn't, wasn't really learning how to swim. And so we, Andrew and I thought we need, to, we need to get him to learn how to swim. And it wasn't hit by having him read a book to him about swimming, right? It was about getting him in the water, Andrew and I working with him, showing him what to do, challenging him to work hard. He had to be in the water to be comfortable, to understand what he needed to do, to learn what to do if he was in trouble. And by the end of the summer, he was jumping off the dock on his own without his puddle jumper floaty thing, and he was swimming back to shore, and he was loving every minute of it. And so it's the same with our prayer life. We should have childlike joy because we're able to speak directly with our Heavenly Father, the maker of heaven and earth, and can do this at any time through the blood and, and of Jesus Christ and God's love and grace for us. We need to pray to grow in our love for God and for others, to grow stronger in our reliance upon the Lord, and we will be blessed by it.
If we make prayer a discipline of our life, God will bless it. Now, some of you here tonight might be saying, okay, Andrew, I understand I need to pray, but I haven't prayed much in the past. I'm not sure how to do it. Well, use our example of the Lord's Prayer as an example for prayer. Pray it word for word with a true and humble heart, or use it as a template. See, Jesus was teaching his disciples and those around him how to pray. And he's teaching us the same today. He was also expecting that those people would be praying to the Lord. The passage of the Lord's Prayer starts by Jesus saying, when you pray, not if you'll pray. Jesus expected that they would be praying and was teaching them how and what to say. The Lord Jesus expects us to pray as well. There are too many scriptures to mention that quote and show that prayer is a commandment of God, that he expects us to do this. And if it's one thing that God expects of his people, it's one of the weapons that he gives us as his foot soldiers. Now, John Calvin in his institutes devotes a long chapter just to prayer. And he writes about four rules that our prayers should have. These are a reverence for God, a deep sense of need, true humility, and trust. So a reverence for God, deep sense of need, true humility, and trust. And these are four rules that should focus on our hearts on what we're saying to the Lord. Now, my dad taught me these four rules in a little easier way to remember, and it was with an acronym. Now, in the government, we have acronyms for everything. But this acronym was very helpful for me. It was ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, and Supplication. And each of these things should be included in our prayers. And we see each of these in the Lord's Prayer as well. Our adoration for God as our Heavenly Father and how His name is to be hallowed, to be honored, to be set apart. Our confession and asking God to forgive our sins and to give us hearts that desire to forgive others when they sin against us. Our thanksgiving and asking for our needs and seeing God provide what we need. And in our supplication, our asking of God to protect us from temptation and from the evil one. See, oftentimes we forget the first three and just focus on the last one. Our prayers should include all of these things. And our petition tonight specifically is part of that supplication, is asking God for power and for protection. Now, I'd like to close with a word of encouragement to everyone. As you pray, especially when you're looking at this petition, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Remember that the war is already won. Praise God. We battle each day, but God is already the victor. While we struggle and fight, the end is clear. God is victorious. And this should encourage and strengthen us each day as we battle temptation and sin. I hope this increases your desire to pray and your courage to fight. Second, God will not allow us to be tempted more than we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10.13 is clear on that. We cannot use the excuse that when we sin, that temptation was just too great, it just overcame me. No, we sin because we wanted to. We gave over to the evil desires at that point because we wanted to. If we're looking to the Lord to be let out of temptation, he will not allow us to be overtaken. Again, when we're tempted by the evil desires of our hearts, may we remember this passage and turn to the Lord in prayer. God is faithful. 
and will not allow us to be tempted beyond what we can bear. Turning to the Lord in prayer is one way that he accomplishes that. Remember, this is a petition of power and protection. Prayer is one of the weapons that God gives his foot soldiers. He's our commander-in-chief. He directs and commands all things. And we must turn to, uh, turn to him and ask for power, for protection, and for wisdom in fleeing temptation and deliverance from evil. I want to encourage and challenge all of us to make this next year a year of prayer in all of our lives. I challenge us that each Sunday as we hear the Lord's Prayer, when we recite that, we think about what our prayer life has been this past, the past week. Spend time in prayer. Start tonight when you're home. Pray by yourself. Pray with your spouse. Pray with your children. Pray with your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers. Pray for each other. Pray for our church. Pray for our leaders. Pray for our country. Be diligent and disciplined in prayer. This next week, we're celebrating our 20th anniversary of a ch as a church, and we have a prayer vigil. There are still plenty of open sign-up times. Come here and pray. Sign up, come here and pray, and thank God for what he's done in our midst, and pray as we look forward to what he will do in faith. Are you a soldier of the Lord? If the answer is yes, then we must be praying. May we look to the Lord for power, protection, and wisdom in his leading us away from temptation and evil. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father God, we come before you humbly but boldly, Lord. You have given us access to you through your son, Jesus Christ, and we thank you for this. May we not take this for granted in our lives. May we be diligent and disciplined in prayer, in thankfulness, in adoration, in confession, in supplication, to look to you for all things, Lord. You provide all that we have, all that we need, and you bless us more than we deserve as our Heavenly Father. We thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, and what he's done for us. Lord, help us to rely on you each day. May we look to you in prayer, and may we remember this petition of power and protection. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.